God is with you. Let us pray. God of the borderlands, you travel between the foreign and the familiar. Open our world to those we would exclude and despise. Heal us and liberate us when we are outcast, that we might learn to praise your whole name. Through Jesus Christ, the rejected one. Amen. Last weekend, Mary Beth and I went to Milwaukee for the wedding of two of our closest friends, Andy and Waihe. I've attended and celebrated a lot of weddings, and I can say with certainty that this was the most powerful wedding I've ever been to. Part of the reason it was so powerful is that they were both close friends. Mary Beth and I were both in the wedding party. Mary Beth had been close friends with Waihei in grad school, and we've known them both for a long time. Our kids call them uncles. Another part of the reason the wedding was so incredible was that both grooms are exemplary human beings. They are that rare combination of intellect and compassion, not to mention physical beauty. They're great-looking folks and just absolutely incredible. They're both physicians. Andy is a palliative care doctor at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and an instructor at Harvard Medical School. Waihei is a pathologist at the Brigham Hospital and an instructor at Harvard Medical School. Another more obvious reason that the wedding was impactful was the fact that they were two gay men. I've been to and officiated other gay weddings. In fact, when I worked at Glide in San Francisco, I was even part of a float in the Pride Parade. It was a huge wedding cake. And we all chanted, we marry, we marry, we marry everybody. And along the way and the parade route, several couples were married. But what was so powerful in this wedding was family. On the one hand, there was Andy's family, who were large Catholic Midwestern family, lots of Notre Dame hats. Traditionally, that population has not been accepting of their queer daughters and sons. But this family is turning the tide. They threw a huge wedding. Thoughtful, tasteful, gorgeous, and loving. There were pride flags everywhere. It was held in the grandmother's house. On the other hand, Waihei had very little family present. Waihei grew up in Hong Kong in a family that were Nazarene. They were strict, faithful, dedicated, conservative Christians. Perhaps that is why Waihei did not come out of the closet until he was in his 30s. And when he did, his family rejected him. 
Neither his parents nor his sister were present at the wedding. But his uncle, aunt, and we close friends were there. In this wedding, celebrating two extraordinary people who found each other despite being born on opposite ends of the planet was an utter success and unparalleled celebration. Tears flowed in abundance. I cried in the service at the line, What God has joined together, let no one put asunder. At dinner, Andy and Whitehead gave a speech in which they referenced the play The Inheritance, in which a young man, gay man named Eric encounters Walter, an older gay man, at the height of the AIDS epidemic, Walter had opened up his home in the countryside as a hospice home to AIDS victims. As Walter showed Eric the home, the ghosts of the dead came out and thanked Walter for all that he had done. Andy and Waihe reminded all of us how we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us, how their wedding couldn't have been possible without all the work that others had done who were never allowed such a union. By remembering those who came before, we were united and empowered through gratitude. And it was that gratitude which made the wedding different and extraordinary. Most weddings, it is special to see people united, but in this wedding, all of the normal emotions were heightened and informed by gratitude. Gratitude for community support. Gratitude for a love that beat the odds. Gratitude for the ability to love and marry at all. In this passage from Luke, gratitude is the hinge. Ten lepers are healed, but only one shows gratitude. Only one thanks Jesus. Only one appears. And who is that one? A Samaritan, a foreigner, an outsider, one whom even Jesus nearly rejects one from whom nothing is expected. In the passage from Second Kings today, again it is a foreigner who receives God's grace and healing. Naaman, the commander of a foreign army, is healed of leprosy at the advice of Elisha, whose detachment singles the abundance of God's healing grace. There's plenty to go around. It doesn't take much. Just wash in the river. And everyone from Samaritans to Aramaeans receive the overflow of God's healing love. Do you remember when Jesus referenced this healing in Luke 4.27? We read this earlier this year. Jesus visited Nazareth Nazareth early in his ministry. This is his, his homecoming, right? This is amidst that prophet without honor in his hometown speech. He said, 
there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian, Naaman the foreigner. Being an outsider, being marginalized, being a foreigner, a refugee, or loving the marginalized, knowing the marginalized, being part of the wedding party makes things different. It is a faucet for gratitude. Gratitude opens our eyes, it heals our skin, it helps us realize what we have, helps us see what others need. Gratitude transforms us. In our weekly Surfing and Spirituality program, gratitude is proportionate to expectation. We meet Every Wednesday, rain or shine, waves or no waves. In that context, we have one expectation, that we will surf no matter what. Now, some surfers out in the real world get angry and competitive. They expect good waves with no one on them. When that doesn't happen, they get angry. Angry at the ocean, angry at other people. But in our group, because our expectations are low, it's easier to find gratitude. For outsider, for insiders, expectations are dampened by privilege. Outsiders have lower expectations, which opens the door for gratitude. At the wedding, we saw another close friend of Mary Beth's from her grad school days at Penn. Dr. David Stittleman is a fetal pediatric surgeon at Yale New Haven Hospital. He's the sort of brilliant that enables him to perform successful surgeries in utero. Unbelievable. He told me about his interactions with parents whose infants are born with diaphragmatic hernia. Diaphragmatic hernia is a birth defect where there's a hole in the diaphragm, that large muscle that separates the chest from the abdomen. The organs in the abdomen, like the intestines, the stomach, and the liver, can move through that hole in the diaphragm and move upwards into the baby's chest, which compresses the lungs of a child and prevents them from being able to take a breath. Hence, when they are born, they die. When Dr. Stittleman talks to the parents of a child with diaphragmatic hernia, the conversations revolve around expectations. For parents of healthy babies, the hope and expectation is that their child will be born and live a full life, living maybe 80 or 90 years. For families with diaphragmatic hernias, the fact that their child lives at all is a miracle. Most of these families are grateful simply for the ability to hold their child, to see them alive. For most of these families, it is a gift 
to be given even a day or two with a child who is never supposed to live at all. For them, ordinary life is a miracle. Here, today, connected as we are through the wonders of the internet, after years of pandemic amidst political tensions around the world, we have the opportunity to give thanks, to be grateful for the life we share, for the air in our lungs, for the food and water in our bodies, for the chance to celebrate the love that unites us today. Here we are, together, a collective, living miracle. Thanks be to God. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.